repeat after me the pranam mantra Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta
61st shloka so today we will continue from 62nd shloka of chapter 2 so that will be really very interesting okay all right so let's begin with this 62nd shloka jhayato vishayan punsah संगस्थेशोपजाते संगाजाते काम Fall down 
shlokas. Bhagavad Gita itself is very elevated, but it is telling us, Krishna is mentioning here the sequence of our fall down. He is very beautifully explaining how a person in an elevated position can fall down. Dhyayato Vishayan Puntaha Sangaste Shupajayate Sangat Sanjayate Kamaha so here Krishna is going to reveal a secret. Let's understand. See what happens is all of us we often tend to fall down from our elevated positions. With great endeavor we achieve some success in life. Either in terms of money, either in terms of terms of name and fame, in terms of reputation. So we achieve higher statuses of life because of so much of hard endeavor. But you know what? It is not difficult to achieve the higher status of life. Neither it is difficult to come down from that elevated position. The most difficult part is to maintain that elevated position. So to remain always constantly on the elevated platform is not very easy. So that is where you need a lot of sattva guna. So there are a lot of people who are quite passionate, they are quite rajasic and out of that passion they can achieve a lot of success. But that success majority of the time is temporary. Why? Because the nature is passion. They are not sattvic in nature and hence what happens is they cannot maintain the level of success constantly. And that is why many many great people, personalities, after achieving a lot of success, they come down tumbling. It's very difficult to maintain the highest status of life. That is where you need a lot of sattva guna. So now Krishna, what is he saying is, how does this fall down happen? See, everybody wants to remain on an elevated platform. But not everybody is able to do that. Some, we all often sometimes, especially in spiritual life, uh, we have this uh, waveform, you know, it's like a sinusoidal wave. Our spiritual life is sometimes high, we are quite enthusiastic, but there are times when we go low and our spiritual life comes down. So it's like a sinusoidal wave, life itself is like a sinusoidal wave, Sukha and Dukha is constantly going on in our life. So you hear, Krishna is saying, how can you actually maintain a status of elevated platform always? It's a secret that Krishna is revealing. If we know, and understand this process, this process of fall down, we will become aware that yes, I need to do certain things to maintain myself in that higher position, always remain in the spiritual position. So that is what Krishna is saying very beautifully explained in these two shlokas, 62nd and 63rd. And this is going to be the very, very important aspects, the process to know for any spiritualist. So these two shlokas should just get embedded in your intelligence. It should, when you listen today, you should just 
get uh, written on your memory all this all the time because it is going to serve you it, it will keep you alert if you are always constantly memorizing these two shlokas and you are aware of these two shlokas then you will be on alert so krishna is revealing the secret of how a person falls down from higher position and then krishna is saying very beautifully the very first process of fall down the sequence of fall down begins from contemplating on the objects of senses dhyayato dhyayato means dhyana it's not the dhyana that uh, the yogis do dhyayato also means it is you are meditating on what vishigan punsaha it is not dhyana dhyayato on the lord but dhyayato on vishayan contemplating on the objects of the senses this is the first step for fall down if anybody falls down from elevated position he may superficially give reasons reasons which are superficial in nature he may say oh i should have actually not done this properly i should have actually done this act properly i should have taken this step properly superficial reasons many people give they can analyze a little bit of about their failure but the root cause krishna is giving the root cause of our fall down and the number one step is contemplating on the objects of senses dhyato see earlier also in the previous session we have discussed that how the mind generates a lot of thoughts about 60 to 70000 thoughts on an average every single day now every thought is not as powerful as a contemplated thought there is a difference between a regular thought and a contemplated thought contemplated thought is not a passing thought you know so many thoughts keep coming but out of so many thoughts in your mind that bombard your mind every day there are few thoughts which you contemplate on what do i mean contemplate there are few thoughts in a day where you give your attention attention is a resource of being focused it's a resource just like money money is a resource when you have lot of this resource called money you can purchase a lot of things you can do a lot of things and when you are spending money this resource you are very very careful you don't spend money anyhow you want you are extremely careful while spending this resource called money now we have this resource called attention each one of us we are blessed with this resource called attention every single day there is a resource in our body which is rejuvenated when we sleep and we wake up there is a resource called attention which is very very important than the money but we are so careless that we don't even think about this wonderful resource called attention and we keep spending it 
on useless and frivolous things. So what happens is, so when there are so many thoughts generated, you give your attention resource to some of the thoughts. So moment you give that attention to them, a particular thought in a day, that becomes a contemplated thought. That becomes a contemplated thought. Extremely important. There are a lot of thoughts coming, but moment you see an advertisement of a gulab jamun, then your mind immediately gives attention to the gulab jamun. Then what happens is, the moment you start thinking, it's not a passing thought which came and it's gone. You are thinking again and again and again and again. So when you start thinking on a particular thought again and again, it becomes a contemplated thought. You are giving your attention to that thought. This is the first step to know that we are now getting attached to the sense object. Yes, what happens is, this contemplation is the root of our fall down. There were these two Buddhist monks. So these Buddhist monks were once traveling by walk and they were crossing through the, they were walking through the forest and it so happened that they had to cross the river. And just when they were trying to cross the river, these two monks, they encountered a very beautiful woman, a young lady. She was very beautiful and then she was also very helpless. She was saying, can you please help me to cross this river? Now, one of the monks who was junior, he was thinking that, how can we do this? I mean, she is a lady and we are celibates and we, are, we cannot do anything for her. We cannot really help her. We have taken a vow of celibacy. We cannot help her in any way. So he was thinking like that, but by the time he was thinking like that, the other monk said, all right, I'll help you do that. So what he does is, you please climb on my back and then I will help you cross the river. So that lady, you know, gets on the back of this monk and then they cross the river and just few minutes and they are, uh, they are on the other side of the river and then she profusely thanks this monk for helping her cross the river and then she departs and then these two devotees, these two monks, they start walking. But while these two monks are going on, the other monk, the anger, the junior one, he is constantly, he's disturbed in his mind now. How could he do? He is senior to me and he actually carried that end lady on his back. How could he have done that? And then few hours they were just walking and walking and walking and this person at one particular point he could not withstand this disturbance within himself and then he said wait I want to share something I want to speak up the senior monk said alright what happened to you he said how could you do that you know she was a young lady wearing the fine cloth and she was beautiful her nose was this way her eyebrows were all these beautiful features and he went on describing the whole uh, description features of this woman and then said how could you have done this then listening to this whole episode the senior monk said my dear friend looks like 
I carried that woman just for a few minutes, but you are carrying that woman for last so many hours. Hope you got the message. So it so happens that many times, although we may do certain activities, we may not be mentally disturbed. But this junior monk was so disturbed and he was carrying that woman for 7-8 hours. Whereas the senior monk, he just helped her, he dropped her and that's it, he forgot. But this person was constantly doing Jhayato. Jhayato or what? Jhayato Vishayan Kuntaha. So this happens to us. Many times there are certain thoughts which grab so much of attention that we keep on contemplating on them and they completely disconnect us from the external world. We don't know what is happening around us. We are not aware of our environment. This happens to most of us. When we are getting so absorbed, contemplating on a certain thing, we become disconnected from our environment. So, what happens the next stage is, when somebody is contemplating constantly on the sense object, then it creates an attachment in the heart. So when you contemplate on a thought, then it becomes a granti, it becomes a knot in the heart, it becomes a very strong knot, an attachment in the heart. Now this is very very powerful. This attachment is what people are, it drives the people. Our attachments drives our actions. So when you start contemplating, that's why we should be very careful on what are we contemplating. What are the objects that we are contemplating every single day? Please ask this question to yourself. Because the thoughts that you contemplate will become attachments in your heart. It becomes a knot in your heart. And these knots, the more you contemplate, the more stronger and stronger and stronger this knot becomes. Very important. The more you think about a certain thing, it becomes a very strong knot in your heart. The more stronger it becomes, it's difficult to break that knot, to release that knot. So when this attachment in the heart grows more and more, then this attachment leads to lust. So that sangha, that attachment, sangha is developed now. And then because of that sangha attachment, sangha sanjayate kamaha. Now this attachment leads to kamaha. Now, see when we say lust, it is not just the physical relationship between a man and a woman. No. Lust also, or probably the right definition of lust is, Anything that you want to enjoy yourself, only when you want to gratify your senses, that is lust. There is karma. What is karma? When I want to enjoy my senses, then it is karma. But on the contrary, the opposite of karma is prema. In prema, what is there? You don't want happiness for yourself. But you want to give joy and pleasure to the other person. That is prema. But in karma, everything is for my enjoyment. 
so the world is actually driven by lust not by love why because everybody wants that their own senses be gratified i want to enjoy how this lust develops first is contemplation the contemplation is resulting in attachment and because of that attachment you develop desire to enjoy the objects you now want to enjoy the objects of senses see very powerful how lust develops we are all so much disturbed by lust so we should know how the lust develops because of dhyato now fulfilling this desires will give you a little bit of pleasure but it is not that when you fulfill a certain desire you will be very happy no in fact this lust is such that it will increase more when you satisfy it have you any time heard that by pouring fuel into fire the fire will get extinguished no when you pour fuel into fire it will blaze more and more more and more so lust is like that when you try to extinguish the lust by satisfying the lust it is just going to blaze more and more you just want more and more it becomes uncontrollable so that is how this lust works the more you satisfy the more it demands the more you give to the senses the senses are going to demand more and more and all that began because of contemplating contemplation lust and now when you are satisfying the lust more and more do you think that all the time our lust will get satisfied our desires will get satisfied no it is not that all the time all the desires will get satisfied no sometimes some desires will be unfulfilled so when our desires are unfulfilled when our lust is unfulfilled then it results in anger this is the fourth stage kamat krodho vijayate you see the sequence krishna is saying that why people become angry people become angry because their desires are not fulfilled when the desires are not fulfilled there is that anger that irritation is there that frustration is there and in anger what not people can do so many things anger is a very dangerous emotion and when this anger becomes uncontrollable it can create havoc in people's life few years ago i was reading this article where this young man about 30 years old he was contemplating on something we don't know what but he was contemplating on something he was quite serious and there was a small boy who was his nephew and then he was playing the ball and the ball hit this person he became so angry that he went and slapped this small 6 year old boy and that's it the small boy died on the spot he could not digest it you know later on he was repenting so much that what did he do he had no control over his anger and this resulted in the death of the small boy once there was this uh, young couple husband and wife and they had a small baby and you know there was this uh, problem a fight between both of them and 
each one of them are yelling and yelling and yelling and uh, it became so heated up that the wife said if you don't listen to me i will throw this baby from the balcony and uh, this uh, husband also do whatever you want that's it this wife actually she threw her own baby from the balcony and when the baby was thrown then both of them realized what happened what did we do and in that uh, whole situation of anger she became so confused she also jumped looking at her wife and the child she also jumped all three of them within minutes they died this is the power of anger i mean we can just go on and on there are so many examples we can give and i'm sure you also every single day when you open the newspaper there are so many things like this constantly bombarding results of anger we see in the newspapers so anger is danger now what happens is because of anger you enter the next stage of delusion complete delusion delusion means what it is losing clarity of thoughts you completely lose track of your thoughts that is delusion you see a rope but you think it is a snake you take a rope to be snake that is delusion so we lose clarity and that happens i'm sure some of you uh, i mean i have experienced this when i got angry sometimes which was very intense you know you really lose you know the clarity of what to do and what not to do it's a very powerful emotion right so it results in delusion the clarity is gone and because of that delusion it then results in bewilderment of memory so when uh, out of anger when you're confused that confusion will destroy our memory so krishna is saying here krodha bhavati sammoha sammoha if delusion will come sammoha smriti vibhramaha smriti smriti means memory is bewildered so when uh, anger develops what happens is we forget our own good qualities not just our own good qualities we also forget the good qualities in the person whom we love so much the loved ones become the enemy for us all the good things we completely forget that happens in anger somebody when you somebody is angry you just look at him he either is yelling at his children or wife or husband you will see that all the good things that the other person has done will be forgotten by this person it's very difficult bewilderment of memory and because of this bewilderment of memory then what happens actually intelligence is lost smriti bhramshat buddhi nasho buddhi nasho buddhi you see intelligence the function is to discriminate between right and wrong that is the function of intelligence so when your memory is bewildered then you don't know what is right what is wrong and when this clarity is not there then your actions are dangerous just like in the case of the couple who jumped up from the balcony is it this so extremely dangerous we lose discrimination and 
Mind you all devotees, this is extremely important to know that it is Bhagavad Gita which is actually gives the clarity between mind and intelligence. You ask majority of the psychologists or anybody in the world generally, whatever is going on in their mind, think it's mind. They don't have the clarity of intelligence. They don't see there is a separate element called intelligence. But we all should know we have a certain element, a certain sense called the intelligence. And the intelligence function is to discriminate between right and wrong, which will get lost because of this uh, anger. And because of anger and uh, losing the intelligence, finally what happens is we fall back into the material world. So this is the sequence that we should really contemplate on today. Please, today's exercise for all of you, today's homework for all of you, please spend some time to analyze what are the objects that you are contemplating every single day. Please ask this question. Because unless you are not clear about this, then it will lead to danger. You should be very careful about what you are contemplating on. What thoughts are you contemplating on? What are the objects that you are contemplating on? If you are contemplating on Bhagavad Gita and Krishna, amazing. That is Dhyana. That is Dhyayato uh, on Paramatma. But here, if you are doing Dhyayato on Vishayan, it is going to be very dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Very, very false. So, contemplation is actually because of uh, contemplation we do because we spend our attention and what are the advertisements doing you see every single advertisement is trying to grab your attention resource because they know each one of us have a certain attention resource and moment you give a certain attention to a certain advertisement they know that they can actually take your money if they can grab your attention, they can grab your money also. They will have a grab on, their, on your pocket. So that is why everybody is trying to grab this attention. Why? Because they want you to contemplate on their products. Whether it is toothpaste, to hair oil, to clothes, to anything, every advertisement is designed in such a way and created in such a way that people contemplate on their products. Because they know, moment people contemplate, the next thing is, they will get attached. And then, lust will develop. They want to fulfill that desire. So what advertisement do is, they will sell you things which you don't need. And we, because we have lost our intelligence, we buy things which we don't need. You see, all because of contemplation. Why do they spend so many crores and crores of rupees for advertisements? Because they want people to contemplate on their products. Please understand. Only when they bombard again and again, you are giving the attention to them. So now be careful. You have this attention resource. Don't spend it on them. Use them wisely by attending Bhagavad Gita session, by reading Bhagavad Gita. What happens is your attention is diverted from this material thing. 
So we need to give our attention resource to Krishna. When we are chanting, our mind is going here and there and giving attention to so many things. So when we chant the holy name, our attention should be given to listening the holy name. So this is the secret that Krishna is revealing in this particular shlokas. These are the fall down shlokas which we are very much important to understand. So if you want to maintain your position of spiritual life, then you need to focus on the very root cause that is contemplation. If this is not clear, if this really doesn't go into your head, then I am telling you many other things will not fall in place. Your spiritual life will always be a waveform. We don't want it to be a sinusoidal wave. We want to be it a linear wave, isn't it? We want our spiritual life to be linear, always growing up and up and up. The more the time you spend, the keep on increasing the amplitude of our spiritual life. And that is possible when you actually realize, analyze your contemplation. Why I am stressing this so much? Because this is the root cause. So, please be very very clear about this. Uh, today exercise is please spend some time individually thinking about what are the objects that you are contemplating. So, this is important sequence. Uh, so now with this, with this clarity that Krishna has given, so we should now, let's, uh, let's understand the next word. It's going to be very interesting again the way Krishna is going to further explain certain things. So let's see what Krishna is going to say in the next words. And from this, uh, at this point, 62 and 63, it completes the answer to the third question that is Kim Mahasita. So Krishna has explained Kim Mahasita, the third question. Now Krishna is going to answer the fourth question of Arjuna. And the fourth question is Prajeda Kim. So Hina uh, Mataji, unmute yourself and let's chant this uh, 64th verse. Okay, so before that I just wanted to give you this uh, secrets of sense control because in the previous uh, few uh, verses Krishna has explained certain things about uh, Kimma Sita, how to withdraw the senses. So withdrawing senses can happen when you get the higher taste. When you have a higher taste, you give up the lower taste. And then, this is another very important principle called Yukta Vairagya. I want to mention this to all of you. Please uh, understand this. What is Yukta Vairagya? Vairagya means what? Giving up, renouncing things. Renouncing materialistic things is called Vairagya. Yukta Vairagya means you utilize everything for serving Krishna. For example, this uh, laptop. It is a gadget. Generally, anybody who is willing to uh, progress in spiritual life, he has to be aware from all these gadgets and he should be aware from all the materialistic things. But no, we are using everything that is possible. Right? So this is called Yukta Vairagya. You have a nice car, use it in the service of the Supreme Lord. You have a nice mobile, use it in the service of the uh, Lord by listening to the lectures on Spotify. So, all these technological things and everything, you are not renouncing them artificially. Instead, you are doing Yukta Vairagya by utilizing them. 
So Yukta Vaidakya, when you do, what it results in, it gives you positive enjoyment. It offers us positive enjoyment because the senses are always very active. They want some engagement. So what happens is, when you are doing Yukta Vaidakya, you are engaging your senses positively and that gives us positive enjoyment. We all are seeking enjoyment. Why? Because we are Satchit Ananda. Our nature is to seek Ananda. Right? So, we should do Yukta Vairagya. And when you do Yukta Vairagya, and you are getting that enjoyment, then there is no danger of falling down. Many renunciants, they are practicing Falgu Vairagya. Falgu means false. False renunciation. They go to the jungle, they leave their beard and this and that and so many things, but they do, internally they have attachments. They are contemplating on sense of it. Externally they are all into the forest. That kind of renunciation, Palgu Vairagya will not help. So instead of that, Krishna is saying, be Yukta Vairagi. Use everything but in the service of the Lord. So these are secrets of sense control. And when you get positive enjoyment, then your life becomes very very pleasurable right so these are the four things that we need to know and then uh, let's chant now the 64 words so Hina Mataji please run here Ragatvesha Vimuktaistu Vishayanindriyascharan Atma-vashe-vidhe-atma Prasadam-madhi-gachati Once again, Radhat-vesha-vimukta-istu Vishaya-nindriya-sharan Atma-vashe-vidhe-atma Wonderful translation. But a person free from all attachment and aversion and able to control his senses through regulative principles of freedom. can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord. Thank you, Mother. So, this 64 was until the last word, that is, I think, 70th, until 71st words, Krishna is going to answer the fourth question of Arjuna, that is, Prajeta Kim. How does the Sita Pragna he engages himself in this material world. And here in this 64th verse, Krishna is revealing another secret. Actually, this whole Bhagavad Gita is full of secrets. And it's an open secret to all of us. So that is the beauty of Krishna. Krishna has given uh, all the secrets which addresses the root cause of our problem. So here Krishna is revealing another secret and he is saying that how can we exit 
this material world. If you want to exit this material world, then Krishna is going to give this wonderful secret to all of you. Krishna is saying, all right, my dear Arjuna, now in the previous verses, I have explained to you about sense control. That you do this, you do that, you get a higher taste and uh, you know, you uh, withdraw your senses like the tortoise. All the sense control I have mentioned to you, all right. But then Krishna is saying, the better alternative is what I am going to give you now. That is all necessary, but at the same time I am going to give you something higher. And what is that higher? Krishna is saying here that Prasadam Adhigachati Prasadam See Prasadam doesn't mean only the Prasadam that we get as food. When you go to the temple and you eat some Sakre Pongal or some Khichdi that we get in the temple only that is not called as Prasadam Prasadam means the mercy of the Lord Prasadam means the daya, the daya that Lord gives us to purify us. The mercy of the Lord is called Prasadam. So Krishna is saying that sense control and engaging the senses in positive things is there. But the real pleasure we get when we get Prasadam. Prasadam means the mercy of the Lord. And when we get the mercy of the Lord, then all the sense control becomes very easy. See, in this material world, it's extremely difficult for us to constantly be happy because Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita later on that Dukhaleva Shashvatam. He said this world is designed in such a way that there will be always some tapatriya, always some problems in this material world. And this material world is also often called as Maya, illusion. It is illusory world that we are in right now. Although it seems very real, you know, we are able to touch, we are able to feel, we are able to see. All these things look very, very real. But actually it is Maya. I am going to explain this concept in one of our future sessions. How to understand that everything around you is illusion. It's very interesting. So, but this illusion, to break this illusion is very difficult. To come out of this maya, this material world, this illusion is extremely difficult. So, how do I overcome now? So Krishna is telling very interesting thing here. Krishna is telling us that we can overcome this illusion, this maya, only when you fight with my mercy. You see, if you want to overcome this Maya, you have to have the mercy of Krishna. Why? Because Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Dairihi Yesha Gunamai Mama Maya Dulachaya. He's saying this Maya is actually a very powerful energy, but this Maya, this material energy, is under my control. Mama Maya. If you become Dasa of Krishna, who is the boss of the Maya, it becomes easy for you to overcome Maya. So instead of fighting alone, which is impossible to fight Maya, 
there is no point in fighting this illusion all by yourself it's not going to happen instead you surrender to krishna because krishna is the boss of this maya but for that we have to become das of krishna so that is called the process of receiving the prasadam when you serve krishna krishna reciprocates this reciprocation is joyful any time in a relationship relationship becomes joyful only when there is reciprocation between two people if you constantly say i love you i love you i love you to your husband or a wife but you don't express that then you know the other person may think that you don't love why because you're not expressing you simply say i love you no you have to express also so that is what krishna does he is very expressive when you start doing things for his service for his pleasure he will reciprocate and he will give you that mercy he will give you that mercy and this mercy is it available in any market you go to some market and you will get the mercy of krishna no this mar- this mercy you will not find in any market how do i get this mercy now ah so krishna is saying very interesting to get that mercy ragadvesha vimuktaistu there are two steps two things that you need to take care of raga and dvesha when you you are free from this raga and dvesha then prasadam adhigachati you will get my mercy so this there is a sadhana at the level of mind there is a sadhana at the level of body sadhana for the mind sadhana for the body so this raga and dvesha let us understand what is this raga what is this dvesha raga means favorable attachment dvesha unfavorable attachment raga is also attachment dvesha is also attachment but one is favorable one is unfavorable and both are not good for spiritual life so raga dvesha vimukta is to vimukta you have to become free from these two things why because they cause disturbance favorable attachment also will cause disturbance for example of arjuna arjuna he has raga for his grandfather and his spiritual master dronacharya and bhishma because of this raga this is a favorable attachment and because of this attachment he is saying oh no no krishna i am not going to fight you see it is an attachment which is taking you away from your duty then it is not good so raga is not good dvesha actually raga there is another very beautiful example uh, recently in the uh, bhagavatam sessions also we discussed the story of pururava king pururava very very powerful king this pururava was and uh, he had a uh, lot of influence across the three worlds and once it so happened that this pururava happened to go to heaven that when he went to heaven he saw urvashi and when he saw urvashi he got attracted and he said urvashi uh, will you marry me urvashi said i am a heavenly damsel and i don't want to marry no no i am really attracted i want to marry you 
Urvashi says, okay, I will marry you but on three conditions. What are the three conditions? I think uh, the first condition she said that, see I have uh, these goats and these goats should always be protected. Anything happens to these goats, then I am going to just leave your place. If they are extremely dear to me, so you have to take care of this man. King said, all right, no problem, I'll take care, I'll protect the goats. The second condition was that I will eat food only that is which is cooked in pure ghee, cow ghee, desi ghee. Because I am from heaven, you know, I cannot eat anything that is not cooked in ghee. Uh, king said, yes, I can afford, I know if you, you know, king and I have so much resources, I will arrange, uh, make an arrangement for you that you will get food only that is cooked in pure ghee. And third was, she said that I should not see you uh, naked uh, other than our union. If I see you like that, then I am going to leave you and go away. Then Gurudava said, alright, they got married and everything was going fine. And uh, now long time Urvashi is with Purudava. Now Indra was feeling separation from Urvashi. Now Indra was missing Urvashi and he thought, oh, oh it's time to call her back, it's long time. And then he thought, Indra, he sent his assistant, go and disturb now, I want Urvashi back. So he sent his assistant and it so happened that just when this Purudava and Urvashi were uh, having uh, uh, union, they were thinking of union, that's when the assistants of Indra, they take away the goats and they start bleaking and then uh, they are making noise and immediately she says, hey, what kind of uh, king are you? You have, you were supposed to protect my goats. Immediately go now. What kind of a man are you? So immediately he runs away and then tries to protect them. But then what so happens that in this whole process, uh, he was not wearing clothes. He just ran away and then Urvashi uh, saw him uh, without clothes. She said, alright, I am going to leave you now. And she went away. And this attachment, Raga, for Urvashi created a disturbance, a huge disturbance in the heart of Purudava. It became very intolerable for him, the separation from Urvashi. And later on, so many things happened. He did a lot of tapasya and he said, I want at least one day in a year in which I can, uh, you know, I can meet Uroshi. So only once in a year, he was meeting Uroshi and that became even more painful because he was just looking, waiting for that one day in a year to meet Uroshi. So this Raga becomes a disturbance. This is not good for spiritual life. And then on the contrary, there is Dvesha. Dvesha is aversion. Aversion, you know, some people you see, you just get that negative vibes the negative feelings, you don't want to associate with them. You just don't feel like uh, getting into that association. Dvesha, aversion, there is certain aversion. You don't like a certain person. Constantly you contemplate. Sometimes positive attachment is better than uh, the dvesha, negative attachment. Because when you hate someone, you constantly think of that person. When we love someone, we may not think so. But when you do dvesha and somebody has insulted you, there is so much of Vesha that you constantly contemplate about that person. Like Kamsa. Kamsa was constantly doing it at Vesha for uh, Krishna. Hiranyakashipur, Vesha for Vishnu. Constantly contemplating. Okay? And one very very famous example for Vesha is Amba in Mahabharata. You know all these uh, uh, three uh, sisters. Amba, Ambika and Ambalika. Swayamvara was going on. Now Bhishma was ordered by Satyavati that 
you have to go and somehow uh, get some uh, rights for my son that is your brother also and that is uh, vichitravirya so you have to get someone and then bhishma all the way goes there and he doesn't participate he just kidnaps these three of them amba amika lavalika and then he defeats all the kings and he brings them then in between the amba says no 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 i don't want to marry i don't want to marry ambika and ambarika agrees they wanted to marry vichitravirya but amba said no i i am in love with shalva then bhishma okay i respect your freedom so you can go to shalva and you can get married she goes to shalva he rejects no no you have been now kidnapped i don't want to marry now amba says what to do she again comes back and says bhishma you kidnapped me now you marry bhishma said no i am i have taken a vow of being a brahmachari for life i cannot marry and then she becomes that developed into dvesha that hatred she develops for bhishma because you destroyed my life i cannot marry shalva and now i cannot marry you she developed so much intense dvesha that she went and prayed to parushrama then there was a fight between parushrama and bhishma both of them and then parushrama could not help and she goes to shiva and then finally shiva says okay uh, amba you do one thing you cannot uh, you do you take this garland he gave a very divine garland to amba and this amba was told by shiva that anybody who wears this garland will become the cause for bhishma's death anybody who wears this garland will become the cause of bhishma's death and then amba is carrying this garland from one king to another king none of the kings are ready to actually take this challenge because they know what is the power of bhishma bhishma is extremely powerful nobody wants to fight with bhishma she goes everybody and got rejected everywhere finally she goes to panchal and in panchal what happens she meets this drupada drupada also rejects her she becomes so you know despondent so uh, dissatisfied and unhappy she leaves that garland on the uh, palace in the palace of uh, drupada and she commits suicide and then the same amba see the dvesha is so intense in her heart she takes birth again as shikandi in panchal she takes birth in panchal as shikandi and this drupada had kept this uh, divine garland in his puja room and this shikandi later on became the cause for bhishma's death the dvesha was so intense now what happened to this garland this garland which was given by shiva this garland during the swayamvara of draupadi drupada gave to draupadi and arjuna won and this very same garland given by shiva was put on arjuna by draupadi arjuna now became the cause for bhishma's death with the support of shikandi you see the connection there are many many wonderful things that happen in mahabharata mahabharata is very very beautiful i really love mahabharata sometimes i want to start this whole series on mahabharata also so there are a lot of things uh, mahabharata there is so much to learn from mahabharata so uh, we will definitely discuss mahabharata but again bhagavad gita is a part of mahabharata why did i mention this is because dvesha this samba had so much of dvesha she actually finally became uh, reason for bhishma to die Uh, and this continued dvesha for two lifetimes you see 
So very powerful Vesha. So Raga Vesha Vimukta is to you have to become free from these two things. Only then you can uh, achieve that prasadam, that mercy of Krishna. And there are types of dveshas now. Somebody has nationalistic dvesha. I don't like Pakistan. Communal dvesha. I don't like this caste, that caste. So there is dvesha all over. And very interesting Krishna uh, is telling Atma Vashet Videhatma. Videyatma. Who is this Videyatma? Let's understand. Very beautifully, Prabhupada is explaining and he defines this Videyatma is one who follows the regulative principles of freedom. Please look at the translation. Prabhupada is saying, But a person free from all attachment and aversion and able to control his senses through regulative principles of freedom this is the highlight now this is another thing that which has to enter our brain regulative principles of freedom how can rules give you freedom see how can rules anybody in this world we all want to be free isn't it we all want to remain free and independent. That's what we are all looking for. We are fighting for our freedom all the time. Freedom of speech, freedom of uh, wearing clothes, freedom of uh, so many biases that we have. We all want to be free and independent. And then we don't like to be restricted. None of us want to be restricted. And here scriptures are saying that we need to follow certain regulations for regulated principles. So in this cause, there is one S and four notes. One thing that you are supposed to do and four things you are not supposed to do. So let's understand these four regulated principles and my dear devotees, this is extremely important. If you are serious about spiritual life, if you want to progress in spiritual life, then you need to understand these four regulated principles. And what are those four regulated principles? One by one. No meat eating, abstaining from eating meat, no illicit sex, premarital, postmarital, all these extramarital, everything is called illicit sex. Third, no intoxication, absolutely no. And the fourth is no gambling. So these are four regulative principles which our scriptures are saying that we shouldn't do. Now why are the scriptures choking our freedom like this? We want to do all these things. We want to enjoy our life. Why are the scriptures stopping us? Many times we think that all restrictions are bad, isn't it? But my question to all of you, are all restrictions really bad? I want some examples from all of you. Can you quote some example? Can you say, give some example of certain restrictions that you face on a day-to-day -day basis which are not bad? 
Come on, give me, you can unmute yourself and you can also directly speak. Are there all, all, uh, is there any restriction which is not there? Great, wonderful, very nice, thank you so much, good example. Any other examples? Okay. Exactly, wonderful. Certain restrictions, especially when we are facing certain problems, especially during the festival, we tend to worry. So restricting our food. Good, very nice. Anything else that you can think of? Any restrictions which are not actually bad? Screen restriction. Yes, because it tends to spoil your eyes, your vision. Okay, good. Any other examples? Lasya, Jayati, anybody else? Are all restrictions bad? As you're thinking, let me go through quick some examples. Actually, not all the restrictions are really bad. In fact, some of the restrictions can make us truly free. You know, sometimes when the children are, you know, they're playing on the terrace and they're flying the kite and the mother and the parents actually they say, you know, they restrict them. No, don't go beyond this point because you may fall down. So that restriction is good because it is for the safety of the child. It is restriction of the movement, but it is for the safety. Similarly, traffic example, very good example uh, quoted by Uma Kumar also. See, why traffic signals, they are actually restricting your movement, right? Somebody may say, hey, come on. Why are you restricting my moment? I just want to go and reach my destination. Alright, you can reach your destination but you need to follow. Why? If you don't follow the, you may actually end up meeting with an accident. So that is not uh, freedom. If you don't follow, it's going to cause a lot of problems. Right? So traffic signals are good. But then in today's world, you see, we are all moving towards a very permissive society. And permissive society means everything is okay, come on, we can do anything that we want. Just because I like it, come on, we feel freedom, means just go and do whatever you want. I should be able to do everything that I want. That is what people think. That's why we question many times that, why should there be an institution like marriage, which restricts a man to associate with only one woman, his wife? Why not I go and have multiple relationships with many people? We ask this question. Many times people think that, okay, why should there be any restriction on eating certain food? You are telling no meat eating. Why? Many people say that. So, current philosophy of life is, especially in today's modern times, just do it if you like it. If you like it, just do it. That Nike slogan is, just do it. No, life is not about just do it. There are many things which you need to follow. And if you don't follow, then it's going to be a problem. Eat, drink and be merry. For who has seen the next life? This is the goal. This is the motto of today's uh, end, end, uh, generation. 
many of them think that okay let me go to the pub bar do this that and everything let me enjoy and by doing so i'll be very happy no it's not going to do it's not going to happen see when we are diseased we follow the prescription of a doctor we follow the prescription of doctor because it will help us to improve our health to get rid of the disease similarly like there are material doctors there are spiritual doctors or acharya the great acharyas like prabhupada they have gone through all the vedic literatures they have understood the vedas and then they have understood what to be done and what not to be done and that is why the great acharyas have told if you want to lead a happy life a very blissful life then we need to follow these four regulative principles now you may think that what is the logic behind following all this yes there is logic they are not simply saying let's understand this one by one before that i want to tell you and mention all these things very clearly so that you are aware what is non vegetarian food what is no meat eating what is intoxication what is gambling and what is illicit sex so when we say no meat eating it means no eating meat fish seafood any of that and no eggs also many people think egg is vegetarian and i can just go and have eggs and enjoy eggs no even eggs are non vegetarian because they have the potential for life when the egg is hatched then it gives life intoxication intoxication includes alcohol drugs and tobacco and pan masala all this coming to intoxication in fact devotees we don't even take tea and coffee it's been almost uh, 17 18 years now that i have left tea and coffee i have never tasted tea and coffee in so many years more than uh, 16 17 years absolutely abstain from tea and coffee also because it gives a certain amount of kick you know when you take the tea and coffee there is a certain excitement that is created so it agitates our mind so no intoxication and no gambling when it when i say gambling it means no horse races lotteries casinos and playing cards you see a lot of people playing cards and they gamble especially during this dasara during ganesh chaturthi and all these festivals this gambling becomes even more intense you see behind the ganesh pandals all these uh, people you know they will be playing uh, cards and they will be gambling most of the time and then illicit sex it means extramarital sex premarital postmarital and then obscene movies keep many people are getting addicted because of internet today it's all very easily accessible then younger generation is not realizing the importance of of uh, following brahmacharya both men and women and then this creates a lot of problem because then when you see and then you start contemplating that dhyato is happening and then because of dhyato then it results in all this many other unwanted things like rapes right and then vulgar talks so all this comes under the category of illicit sex so now we need to understand what these four things will do to us actually they will disturb our peace they will disturb our happiness let's understand these four are the pillars of sinful life no meat eating 
Gambling, intoxication, and illicit sex are the four pillars of illicit uh, or sinful lives. Meat eating, gambling, intoxication, and illicit sex. Now, what happens is these four pillars they are so powerful that they break the four pillars of religious life also. Uh, now, this is very important connection, all of you please. Pay attention here. So these four pillars of sinful life, they break the four pillars of religious life. So let's take one by one. No meat eating. This meat eating destroys the religious pillar of compassion and mercy. You may say, Prabhuji, how is it? How come meat eating destroys the pillar of compassion? Yes. See, what happens is, if you are very compassionate, if you are very merciful, you cannot kill the animal. Do you think the butchers are very merciful? No, they just go take the knife and they kill the animal. When they are killing an animal, they have to repress their compassion. They have to repress their merciful nature. Only when you repress your compassion, that is when you can kill the animal. Right? In fact, there is a video on YouTube which I recently saw where a boy was given a nice tandoori chicken and he was eating it nicely. But the same boy, when he was given the live chicken in front of him and was told to take a knife and kill and then eat it, he started crying. He could not kill that chicken. Although he was eating, why? He had not seen the scene the killing of the chicken. He could not kill it himself. He started crying. He said, no, I cannot do this because it is right. You can watch it on YouTube. So what happens is when we start feeding our children with non-vegetarian food, what happens is gradually we are killing the compassionate nature in children. And when we grow as adults, what happens is we are so uh, merciless. That's why when somebody is dying, you see people are taking selfies and not helping the person. So compassionless we are. So merciless we have become now. When somebody is dying, when somebody is pain, we are taking selfies out of them and we are promoting everywhere by social media. Why? Meat eating is the cause. The root cause for people becoming so insensitive is because of meat eating. So if you want to progress in spiritual life, you cannot progress without being compassionate. You see all the great sages and the sadhus, they are very compassionate. You want to help others. But if you are not having this merciful attitude, how can you progress in spiritual life? So meat eating destroys the pillar of compassion. Similarly, intoxication. When somebody gets into alcohol and somebody gets into all these drugs and all those things, then tapasya, it completely destroys the pillar of tapasya. Can somebody who has taken drugs or somebody who has taken alcohol sit and do meditation? Can he sit and chant? Instead of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, he will say Hare Krishna, he will say Hare Lama. He cannot even pronounce properly because he is intoxicated. So tapasya cannot be done by a person who is intoxicated. So when you do intoxication, 
there is no question of tapasya. So the pillar of tapasya is broken by intoxication. And then there is this uh, uh, pillar of truthfulness. So truthfulness. Now when people are constantly visiting uh, gambling. Yeah, when people are doing this gambling, now when people are doing gambling, they have to tell a lot of lies. They do a lot of cheating. So when people get into this gambling, they result a lot of lies. And the pillar of truthfulness will be destroyed when people do gambling. And finally, the pillar of cleanliness will be destroyed by illicit sex. Cleanliness just doesn't mean the external cleanliness but the internal purification, the internal purity. Prabhupada says purity is the force. If you want to be very strong, if you want to be very commanding, if you want to be spiritually extremely strong, then you need to have purity. That purity comes from being internally clean. But if somebody is so disturbed within because of illicit sex, then he will lose his cleanliness. So if he is internally unclean, then Krishna can see that uncleanliness. You may wear a lot of nice clothes and perfumes and people may think you are very clean, but Krishna knows how clean we are. Right? And Krishna is in fact looking for this internal cleanliness, he is not looking for external cleanliness. If we want to get the mercy, prasada madhikachati, then we need to actually get this internal cleanliness, we need to purify our consciousness. And for that we need to become free from this illicit desires. And today's modern society is bombarding us with all these illicit things. In fact, these four things are constantly propagated in the society. Constantly. You open any app, you open any television, you see all the four things are promoted with full swing. People are constantly getting attached to these four things. So, my dear devotees, these are extremely important and these four regulated principles have to be followed. So, in ISKCON, when we take Diksha, we take Diksha with taking this form of no meat eating, no gambling, no intoxication and no illicit sex. And these are the four no's. There is one yes and that one yes is chanting 16 rounds of Hare Krishna Mantra every single day. So, although these things may be uh, very difficult initially, it may appear difficult, but it is not difficult. It is very much possible. But that is possible to follow these four things is possible when you do that one yes, and that is chanting the Hare Krishna Mantra. When you start con continuously taking the names of Krishna, you are getting attached to Krishna, then it becomes very easy for you to follow these four regulated principles. So, there is no compromise on these things. And uh, in fact, when Prabhupada went to the Western world, all these Westerners, the hippies, were fully involved in doing, breaking these four regulated principles. Constantly, they were fully involved in breaking these four regulated principles. But you see what Prabhupada did? He made them sing and chant the holy names. And by singing and chanting the holy names, they came in contact 
with the pure words of Krishna and that transformed and they said yes we will all follow this for eternity now if those hippies can take up Krishna consciousness if they can give up all these things then why not we we can also and by doing this we will become truly free but anybody who is breaking this uh, principles they will have to suffer in hell there is a separate hell for each one of these things anybody who commits this four sinful activities they will be punished accordingly in the hellish planets so we will discuss about hellish planets going forward but uh, again this is not to scare you but this is how the action and reaction works so we need to be extremely careful so then uh, it's already 12:28 i think it's time to take some questions uh, please feel free to ask me questions i think before we go to the next words i think it's not possible to go to the next words now uh, i just want to take some questions and uh, we can feel free to ask me any question so that we can so you can unmute yourself also just in case so that uh, are there any questions so this is a very good alternative prasadam adhika chudi let's uh, focus on this um, receiving the mercy of krishna and uh, receiving mercy of krishna is possible when we follow this regulative principle we become videya atma we all have to become become videya atma following the vidhi vidhi of bhakti and if we want to develop love and attachment for krishna then these things will really help us following the four regulative principles will really help us so So yes, that's it for today. Uh, I will end the session with. Uh, I although I wanted to cover two more slokas, but uh, that we will cover in the next uh, session. So if there are questions, I would like to take some questions. So feel free to ask any questions if you have. So <clears throat> Vinodji is asking, can you please guide us on the rules of going to the Supreme Lord? in the temple okay so what happens is when we visit the temple so when we enter the temple the very first obeisances or namaskara the pranams should be to the vaishnavas all the vaishnavas who are serving in the temple so when you enter the main temple hall we do panchanga namaskara panchanga namaskara means there are two types panchanga namaskara ashtanga namaskara panchanga namaskara five parts of your body touch the ground and in ashtanga namaskara there are eight parts of the body which touch the ground so we do panchanga namaskara the moment we enter the temple and that is to all the vaishnavas so every time we chant this shloka 
We chant this mantra, Namo Mahavadanyaya, Krishna Prema Pradayate, Krishnaya, Krishna Chaitanya, Namne Gaudat Vishayana Mahavadanyaya. So this is called the Pranam Mantra for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nityananda Prabhu also has, I will share that with you. And then when you go to Krishna, when you see the Radha and Krishna, then you have to say these two mantras. Hey Krishna, Karuna Sindhu, Dina Bandhu Jagatpate, Gopesha, Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta, Namaste. And for Radha Rani, we chant Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi, Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, Rishabhanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Hari Priye. So when you see Radha and Krishna, these two mantras, while paying obeisances, we need to chant. So what happens is, when you pay obeisances, it is an indication that you are surrendering everything to the law. You are surrendering your mind, body and words to the Supreme Law. So that is the meaning of surrenderance. And also raising your hands in front of the Lord is also very nice and that also indicates the surrenderance of the law, surrendering to the law. And then uh, if there is nice kirtan happening then you can sing and if possible even dance. It is said that anybody who dances in front of the Lord, he will not get any body pains in his life. So if you want to remain fit and fine, the best way is to nicely sing and dance in the temple. Very, very important. Dancing in front of the Lord is amazing. There are so many things that will happen just by you. You will burn your karma. You will burn our karma when we dance in front of the Lord. So why not do that? So this is about the orientation. I hope that answers your question. And then uh, there are questions, uh, questions from Hinawadaji. Uh, Prabhuji, in our home temple, can we put a photograph, an idol of Krishna, or is there a particular ritual for that? So, there is definitely uh, possible uh, of having the picture and the photograph of Krishna, and generally when you keep the picture of uh, uh, Krishna, it should be with either Radharani or the cow because Krishna is never alone. Krishna always wants to be with someone. So you can have a nice picture of uh, some Archavigraha of Radha and Krishna. What do I mean by Archavigraha? It is not some painting of Radha and Krishna, but it is the photograph, actual photograph of uh, maybe Radha Rasbihari of Kuskon there, Radha Govind or any Radha Krishna deity that you feel uh, which you are very close to so you can have the deity form of uh, picture of that particular uh, Radha Krishna but no 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 if you want to also keep the idol of Krishna then at this stage you can keep Laddu Gopal a small uh, Laddu Gopal with you because that will be nice because Radha Krishna idol means you need to uh, have a lot of rules and regulations and procedures are there uh, which are quite stringent so that is why we recommend you can keep Laddu Gopal or you can also keep Nitai Gauranga Nitai Gauranga are none other than Krishnayan Banda so for start to begin with I think Laddu Gopal a small Laddu Gopal will do and that will be really done and also a photograph of Radha and Krishna you can keep and that will be good. So if you want to send me the picture of your altar, your puja room, you can send me, then I will suggest something based on the size of the altar that you have. So 
that is how we can uh, set up our altar. I will also send uh, the picture of our altar at home and uh, you will get an idea uh, how we actually do this puja at home, how to set up an altar at home. So I will send you the picture of our altar, you can have a look at that altar and you can also think about planning an altar accordingly. Okay, so are there any more questions today? I hope uh, uh, these two things, the secrets that Krishna has revealed, hope it has embedded in your mind today and intelligence. Please understand and think. Today your homework is understand and analyze all the things that you are contemplating on a day-to-day -day basis. Extremely important because this is how we progress in our spiritual life. So please understand, uh, this is the root cause of your fall down. If there is any disturbance you are facing in the spiritual life, it is basically because of contemplating and giving your attention resource to something which is futile, which is unnecessary. So don't uh, waste your resource of attention, use it for Krishna. That is number one. And number two is following the four regulated principles. No compromise on this. Begin with chanting Hare Krishna, that Krishna's name will give you the spiritual bala, it will give you the spiritual strength to follow these four regulated principles. Okay, so these two things should really fix in your mind going forward because this is how Krishna is going to reveal many more secrets going forward. Okay, alright then, today we have completed uh, these uh, three shlokas and next week we will continue from where we are. Okay, so that's it for today then. We will again see you, all of you, next uh, Sunday with many more new things.